You're listening to the B-Side Podcast on Brick Radio. If you like what you hear or think there's an artist or band we should have in the studio, let us know in the comments. Otherwise, sit back, relax, tune in, and turn on. Producer, singer, songwriter, and arranger, Angela Johnson is fearlessly embracing the magnitude of her musical power. She's here tonight to share her musical magic with us. This is B-Side. I'm your host, Tia Smart Young. Now tell us about the band. Yes, well, I got a fantastic band behind me, supporting me. But over here to my left, on trumpet, we have Gil XL DeFay. And on the funky guitar, we got Eli Menendez. Yes, yes. And right behind me, this very special man here who's also my MD. On the drums, Les Cleveland. And on the low, low, low bass. <laughs> Holding it down on the bass, we have Alex Busby Smith. And I got some fantastic vocalists to share with me on the mic. I have on my right, Shanitha Frizan and Darius Booker. Welcome, everyone. So tell us about that first song, Better. Where did yes. that come from? Yes. Well, it's a love song, of course. But, but it's a love song that got me grooving. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Don't forget yeah. that part, okay? Because I was dancing in my seat. You know, I love to dance. I love to get people on the dance floor with me. But uh, I wanted to, to celebrate almost 25 years of marriage with my husband Russell Johnson who's also my co-manager yeah that I deserve hey, we deserve a clap for that. exactly <laughs> but I just wanted to celebrate you know when he came into my life I didn't think that I would find the right person but he came just in time it was God sent heaven sent and uh, here we are celebrating almost 25 years in September and inspiring music yes along the yes way. that's wonderful good and bad no <laughs> We don't want to hear those songs. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. I'm, I'm so happy that I've met someone who balances me and keeps me grounded and is always there to tell the truth. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Now, if I ask you where you guys met, do you remember? I know it's been a long time, but oh, do you yeah. remember exactly where you met? Okay, where'd you meet? Well, I mean, I studied at SUNY Purchase uh, in up, upstate New York. Well, it's not really upstate, but in Westchester County, he lived in White Plains, and uh, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, also attended the school as well. And uh, we met through him in the music business, and uh, he started managing the band that I was in at the time, Cooley's Hotbox. And uh, we got a little closer than most. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say. But we started out as friends first, which was a, a wonderful thing. You know, this was strictly platonic at first, and then, you know, it was just something that was different. The connection was made. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about SUNY because you studied violin. In yeah. School, right? Okay. Like in another lifetime. <laughs> but yeah, I studied for the first two years classical violin, and I probably was doing more writing than practicing my scales okay. in the, in the uh, rehearsal room. And I just thought that, you know, it just made more sense. This is what I was doing since I was four, just writing songs. I didn't know what I was writing about, but I wanted to create music that I spoke and that I listened to and that I can groove to. And playing the violin wasn't necessarily fitting for me. So I transferred from violin major to studio production major. Okay. And that's where I found myself and my voice. Now, were your parents upset that you made the switch? Because, you know, sometimes I, when we change majors, parents are like, wait, that's not what, you know. They just, they knew I was just going to be in music, somehow okay. involved in music. And they, they were very supportive from the very beginning. Okay. Yeah. How did growing up in Utica and being at SUNY, how did that influence who you are now as a musician? Mm. Well, first, growing up in Utica, in upstate New York, central New York, I was... Because I'm not thinking like Utica, <laughs> music scene. Yeah, you think Utica, farm, cows. Right. And, uh, and it, it, that's there. <laughs> but I think because of the, the radio stations that were there, you know, they played they play the top 40, of course, but mm -hmm. I was surrounded by music that was classic rock, uh, jazz, then gospel because I had a strong foundation in the church. Yes, and we're gonna and then R&B. I, I have lots of uncles. Like on my mother's side, there was 13 children, and on my father's side, 15. So I had a lot of young aunts and uncles that came around, and brought records, mm -hmm. and my father had a lot of influence on me because of his funk love of music. Uh, he brought a lot of great records home, so I was able to just get into all of that. But yeah, it's a mesh of music that I grew up with, and I can just take pieces here and there from my memory and from my upbringing and just place it into my music to create my own sound. So was one of those songs uh, a Bill Withers classic by any chance? <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, my parents, when I was four, because they discovered that I had this magical talent of writing songs on the piano on my own, uh, playing by ear, they would bring a lot of people to the house and say, Ange, Ange, Ange. Come, come and play some songs. Uh, how about um, Ain't No Sunshine? So I'll start playing Ain't No Sunshine. <laughs> just playing, but they will just entertain people when they come through and they'll be sitting there amazed that, you know, this little girl just picked it out on her own. And I didn't think anything of it. I just knew that I loved music. So many things we planned to do. Nothing hasn't changed. I'm going to hear the same voice. 
she just gave all the lovers who were going through some, you know, some ish, little breakup stuff. There is you, hope. You exactly, you gave them hope <laughs> to love again. There is hope, always hope. I want to jump back a second because Hurt Like Hell, I know it was influenced by your mom's passing, um, but also it influenced your um, transition to becoming a vegan. Yes, And yes. so I want to talk a little bit about that because I know that's a really um, focal point in terms of your lifestyle and also influences your music as well. Absolutely. My mom had fought breast cancer for over two decades. The fight was very long, very long for her. And through the chemo treatments, the surgeries, multiple surgeries, I just knew that I had to do something for myself to protect myself. I did not want to go through what she had gone through, and it hurts to even think about it. And when I see other women experiencing those same things, or just dealing with, with disease overall, you know, my father is diabetic, I have high blood pressure in my family, all sorts of things, and I just know that within the, the black community, we are dealing with this on a level that isn't very comparable to a lot of other, mm -hmm. uh, you know, other folks. So, you know, I know that one thing we do pass down from generation to generation is the way that we eat. Right. And so I thought that, you know, through my husband, of course, because he's been a vegetarian prior to being a vegan, he introduced that to me. And I just knew that maybe this is something that I can do to protect myself. It's not 100% foolproof but it is something that I think really sits well with me. It makes me feel good. It, makes, it gives me energy to put into my music and to my family. I have a 14-year-old daughter who's also vegan. She's been born and raised as a vegan. And so I just know that this is the right move for us. But I also have to mention that I, I've also had a cancer scare myself just two years mm. after my mother had passed away. And that was good enough for me to say, listen, right. I need to really take in into consideration what I'm putting into my body and how I'm treating it and treating stress. So I express that a lot through my music, getting people to dance, energize, and then I'm gonna talk about it on you know social media. I share recipes every now and then. So yes. I, I, I would hope that you know folks are really open to, to changes because I think that's what we really do need to do. You already know that's I'm trying to convince you to do a cookbook. Yes, as so. my husband and a lot of other folks <laughs> All right, do. Russell, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so are you interested in that? You're I'm interested, interested in writing about these recipes? Every now and then, you know, I, I put a couple of recipes in Heart and Soul magazine, which is really fun. And, uh, you know, I've been a little shy about it, but I think I'm going to be pro more proactive. Okay. Yes. And then thinking of the other song, um, was there a breakup that happened? What influenced that <laughs> song? <laughs> I, you know, that's funny because a lot of people would say, well, what went on? Right. You know, I'm, I'm in the middle of my marriage and when, you know, everything's good here, you know? <laughs> but no, I, I do take myself out of this body. There's a, the rate of divorce is like extremely ridiculous. I mean, folks are not trying to work things out. But, mm -hmm. you know, I understand it happens and, you know, I really try to understand what is going on, but I do believe that even after divorce, there is still love out there. There's someone mm -hmm. out there for you. I do believe that love is something that we're all trying to achieve, to, to grab and to hold on to, someone to share this life with, because it's a lonely place when you don't have that person. Okay. And so, yeah, but I just wanted to put it out there that there is hope. Okay, even after the, the love that you thought you have for the rest of your life just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to know about was the, this, this purple flower in your hair. What's, oh, yeah. You're bringing us a, a little pop of color. What's going just on? Just a pop of color. I mean, you know, purple, of course, rep resembles royalty. 
and you know my husband refers to me as a queen at home. <laughs> but no, I just I love color, you know, and, and I usually would come really colorful, you know, I tell these guys to dress all in black and then I'll come out with the colors. Let's go back a little bit and talk about your early years. Um, for folks who may not be familiar with Cooley's Hotbox, can you yes. talk a little bit about that? Yes, well Cooley's Hotbox was a band developed right on campus at SUNY Purchase. Mm -hmm. uh, it was myself, uh, the drummer Christian Urich, who some of you may know from Tortured Soul, uh, then Victor Axelrod on the keys and Ernesto Abreu on percussion. And we were all music majors trying to figure out our lives, what we're going to do. But uh, Christian stepped to me uh, and had, you know, a few songs that he wanted me to demo. And so we went into the recording studio on campus and, um, you know, we started messing around with the songs. And he would teach me, you know, what he had in mind. And then I'll just kind of convert it to what I think should happen, you know, mm -hmm. or what's good for my voice. But, yeah, we, we decided that maybe this was, uh, you know, something that we should take very seriously. And we, um, we actually started touring around locally in the area of, of Westchester County and then we started to break out into New York and the word got around um, somehow in the UK they heard about us nice. <laughs> and we and we, this is we, before social media yeah yeah so we <laughs> re recorded a uh, an album the first one which is called take it and we had some remixes done on it and uh, it blew up in the UK as far as the remixes for Make Me Happy and What a Surprise was the other one. And they were more dance focused, yeah, all, right? Yeah, all mm -hmm. dance oriented. And people actually thought that we were like a, a house band mm -hmm. and uh, until they found that the original mixes were, you know, just R&B and what we were calling it back then, the, the um, acid, jazz, soul, whatever. But yeah, that, that's what we were part of. So we were kind of considered the American version of the brand new heavies. Mm -hmm. You know, the black girl in front and all the other guys. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I'm just, well, part of that was what it was, but um, but we were just more influenced by, you know, the Rufus and Shaka Khan, Earth, Wind and Fire. We were more funk oriented and, you know, not so much jazz, but we did, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you use those elements in our music. And you were on Polygram and Virgin? Yeah, you, oh, you went way back. Yeah, yes. we want to get all in the roots. Yes, yes, we were there for a minute. Um, and then we went to higher octave for, for a short time. But, you know, we loved being on the major label scene, but, you know, we just felt that, you know, we could do so much more being independent and being able to, you know, just put out music ourselves so that we can put the kind of music that we want to put out mm -hmm. and to, to travel and, and, and express ourselves the way that, you know, the way that we think as independent artists. So which was the first independent album? Was it um, Take It or was it that They was, Don't they That don't was know? the uh, Don't Be Afraid, Get On. Okay. Yes. All right. And that was distributed through Purpose Music. And the transition to now being on Indie, what was the biggest, I think, shock for you in terms of, okay, now I got to do everything and do it myself? It's always been that way for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it really started out, uh, you know, when, when Coolies and I, you know, we were, trying to figure out you know this transition how can I do my album my solo project and do Cooley's Hotbox music mm -hmm. and you know we just figured Christian and I were maybe thinking that maybe you know we'll just separate 
and see how it goes. But um, I did start working on my solo album while I was working on the, the Don't Be Afraid, Get On album. And I had to do it. I had to find my own voice. I sung a lot of the songs that Christian had wrote for me on the album, but it wasn't necessarily my voice and what I was thinking about or living that life. You know, it's great to sing party music, but then I, got, I wanted to get a little bit more serious. And so that's where my very first album, They Don't Know, came about. Um, I wanted other producers on it, and I did end up working with a couple, uh, DJ Spinner and uh, E. Kane out of Westchester County. But the majority of the album was produced by moi, and it really came out of just being able to get things done a lot faster that way. Mm -hmm. And of course, money plays into it, you know. I don't want to have people work for me for free. I want to pay them for their services, but you know, at the time, I had a lot of other, other things to take care of. And so, you know, it felt good and it felt right that I should produce my own album. How were you able to stay focused on the kind of music that you wanted to produce while you're also doing something that Christian has written for you? Because I mm -hmm. imagine that it's like turning off one switch, turning on another. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt that maybe <laughs> we've been singing his songs for so long that I was like, okay, enough already. I gotta sing my own thing. I gotta say, I, I got to use my own words. And I just felt that I needed to, to be heard. I didn't want to be known as the lead singer, the lead vocalist, or they used to call me the songbird of Cooley's Hotbox. Okay. No, doggone it. I actually play keys. I actually produce. And I arranged, thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, I, I arranged. So, you know, and I did a few things on the Cooley's albums. I pr produced and arranged some of the songs, but I had to make a statement with this album and I didn't want people to just see me as the front singer of this band. So that's, that's what happened. Okay. Yeah. And for They Don't Know, what was the message? Because I feel like there was all of, all of the tracks, they kind of, I don't know, they give me so much inspiration. So mm. what was, what, was there a specific theme that you had when you were thinking, okay, this is the album I want to put out? Well, pretty much that this is Angela Johnson. This is me introducing Angela Johnson to the world as the, the, the vocalist, not the vocalist behind Cooley's Hotbox, but I have my own voice and I wanted to sing songs about love and being in a relationship uh, and I wanted to sing about songs or not sing about songs but to bring in some of the elements that I have grown up with such as classic rock mm -hmm. and uh, funk uh, and and maybe some of the classical that I brought in from, uh, you know, learning the violin or playing the violin, because I did play the violin and the viola on that album. A lot of folks don't know. I didn't have, a, have enough money to, to hire a string section. So you were like, I, I did it myself. It myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I actually rented a viola from Sam Ash <laughs> for a few weeks just so I can get the low notes on the strings. But I, I had to do it all myself, by myself. And, um, you know, looking back at it, you know, it was a lot of work but I, I'm very proud that I, I did it. You know, and I had my husband to really push me along because I had a lot of doubt. I didn't know if I could do it. I didn't think I was ready to show myself and to reveal myself and my skills because I didn't want people questioning it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be just right, but he said, no, go out there and do this. Tell you belong. Oh, there's room under the sun. Room under the sun for you. There's enough for everyone. The ship's size is coming. 
So let's talk a little bit about um, musicians that you've collaborated with, that you've toured with, because in my research, I saw that you've worked with people like from Ghostface Killer to Al yes. Green to B.B. King to my favorite <laughs> rap range, group, right? <laughs> Tribe Called Quest. So yes, what, is there any moment from any of those artists that particularly stands out to you, like a lesson that you learned from working with one of those artists? Always, always. Um, I'm always going to be a student of, of this business and of this music. Um, I always seem to take away, you know, just how they approach songwriting or production. Um, I like to think that, you know, I'm also giving them something to learn, you know, how to deal with the artists such as myself or like myself. But uh, those experiences are always wonderful for me and they're not always easy. Uh, it's not always a happy-go-lucky situation. I'm working. I'm working to refine and define myself. Um, and I do appreciate when someone is giving me constructive criticism and I always welcome that, you know, so that I can grow. And then I would always, you know, I'm, I'll sneak in a Who little something here. Who gave you the here. constructive criticism? Was it Al Green? Who, you could no, tell us. Not like that. I mean, you know, we share the stage, but you know, in the studio, like, you know, I've worked with uh, Frank McComb, uh, Rasan Patterson. Gordon Chambers. We have Gordon that six Chambers. degree of separation that's going right, on. That's right, that's right. And uh, Mesa League. And you know, everyone's different. Everyone has their own way of approaching recording and, and singing and, and, and just making music. But I learn from it all. I really do. And I grow every time I'm experiencing that that moment or that, that time. Do you have any dream collaborations? Ooh, <laughs> if I put it out there, I'm gonna be putting myself in some hot water. Uh -oh. But you know, you know, I've always been saying this, I've been saying this for years, uh, that I would love, love, love to work with. Oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting his name already. That's a shame. Somebody said it in the audience. What's that? Say yes. it out loud, let the Raphael universe hear Sadiq. Exactly. Yeah, no, because when I first heard Tony Tony, I was on my way down south. You know, we, my family and I were traveling, probably going to Disney World or something. And when I heard, uh, hey, little Walter, I was like, oh my God, this is it, this is it, Mom and Dad. <laughs> and my father went and bought the cassette tape. And we played the whole album all the way down to Florida. We drove from Utica to Orlando. And that, oh, you needed some oh, Tony, yeah. Tony, Tony on oh, that I ride. Okay, I needed <laughs> that was a long drive. But you know, <laughs> I, I, I just, I've, I've loved his music. Everything that he's touched, I just think that it's just amazing. But you know, there's, a, there's plenty of folks that I would love to work with, and you know, and I hope to have the opportunity to very, very soon. Any women? Because you've mentioned, you've mentioned, yes. you've worked with some men. So who, in terms of, well, you know, women? I mean, if I could just stay in one room and just sing a song with her. Shaka Khan, of course. Aretha Franklin. But as far as some of the, the newer folks of the, my peers, you know, mm -hmm. Lettucey is wonderful. I think she's just amazing. And then, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with Mesa Leek, which is uh, several times I've been working with her and, and it's been amazing. So that dream did come true. But yeah, there's just so many beautiful new folks coming out that I'm just learning about their music and getting into it. And as a producer, I need to listen to all the current stuff that's going on or that's playing out there. Not just so that I can stay current, but just trying to understand what everyone is listening to and how to break it down so that I can listen to it as a producer or from that perspective and then also as a fan of music. Mm -hmm. I'm very open and you know, I can appreciate little things. Even if I don't like the entire song or the way that it was approached, I can appreciate what people are listening to and what they gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. And I guess that makes me, you know, a huge fan of music. Let me 
Johnson for sharing your power of expression with us. Be sure to pick up her latest album, Naturally Me, which can be found wherever you buy or stream music. You can also keep up with Angela Johnson on Instagram at Angela Johnson Music or on Facebook at Angela Johnson Sings. I'm Tiaya Smart Young and I hope you had a good time tonight. Be sure to stop by our Brick House studio every Thursday to hear the more of the best music that Brooklyn has to offer. You can also check out tonight's installment and past episodes anytime at youtube.com slash bricktv or check out the Brick Radio podcast of this episode wherever you listen to podcasts. The B-Side podcast is produced by Charlie Hoxie, Keisha Cole, Roe Johnson, and Sasha Mathias. Recorded by Onel Mulet and edited by Emily Bogosian. For more information on B-Side, and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. I I was crying deep inside. Baby, don't be happy. But he said it doesn't mean